0: You're listening to a Galactic Network podcast. For more, go to GNcast.com. We are the answers.
1: welcome to all a production of galactic network i'm gregor sprague and joining me is Corey scott and sean burns and special guest kevin i'm assuming last name is burns as well oh um, yes
0: yes yeah there's Sorry, no denying
1: <laughs> real quick before we get on to the shenanigans of part of the reason why we are a half hour late starting the show it, uh for all on this show, you can go including show notes and subscription links, you can go to com. and for other uh galactic network programs, you can go to gncast.com And on Elsnerds, we tend to shoot our mouth off without thinking. So we will both spoil things and we will swear liberally. You have been warned. It sounds like we're
2: shooting our butts off for a second there. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, and also a thank you to our newest Patreon partner, growly Bear, um fan of the show st- um you know, watch a watcher of us live occasionally. So thank you, sir, for keeping us on the air. Don't know why you did. (laughs) (laughs) And now for your punishment.
2: We're just here to question your judgment about everything, you know?
1: (laughs) (laughs) So, um, and, um, God, I am crying from, from like laughing so hard right now. Um, so, Corey, Sean, Kevin, how you guys doing? I'll let whoever wants to answer, answer first. Fantastic. Kevin,
3: spectacular. Uh, Kevin and I just went and finally saw Wonder Woman this afternoon, so we're uh, we're doing pretty so good. So was,
1: wasn't was it great when Captain America came in at the end there?
3: It was. Yeah. I wasn't expecting it. Totally surprised. When they bang shields together like that, fantastic. <laughs> yeah. It's <Almost laughs>
1: like, like a fist
0: bump, but...
1: Yeah, like a good 30 minutes of just shield banging.
2: Uh, <laughs> By the way, Bang Shields was my '80s tribute band to the Blue Lagoon.
1: <laughs> I, of course, say that because Corey has yet to see Captain or not Captain America, uh, Wonder Woman. Um, and I'm
2: I'm really bummed about it. By the way, it, it, I I want you guys to know it. It's I had the biggest intent of seeing Wonder Woman, uh, not the opening weekend, but very early on, and it just has not happened for me yet, and that and sucks because not only is- was I already did I feel like is an important DC film and important superhero film to have out there but it actually sounds like it's been really good and has received popular opinion um which we'll we'll talk about that later on in the else views
1: I'm I'm honestly like I want to touch back on like when you do watch this what you think of Wonder Woman because I, I talked with Peter Fisher about it um, you know, me and Sean, we could probably talk later, you know, about it. Um, and I'll, But I want to get your opinion because you've helped me think more critically, not just like dumb popcorn person wh- about Man of Steel. And then Batman versus Superman, like the reports did like help me think that like, oh, that's a an, the ultimate version's OK, but we got to have the ultimate version and stuff like that. So, yeah, I'm really curious to that but we should probably before we do any more horse shit shenanigans we should probably get into the news and we we have essentially two news stories here cuz the first one is a little combo deal and it's uh cap or sam wilson is returning as the falcon um this is going to be taking place in marvel's uh, legacy relaunch event i don't know what the fuck to call this thing um
2: uh, more of the same is what a lot of people are calling it so far. Yeah,
1: that's what it sounds like. But I, part of me is hoping this is more DC Rebirth than, um, than oh, it's it's Marvel now, 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 <laughs> <laughs> now. <laughs> um. But yeah, so there's two articles. One, and we'll, we'll link to the other one because the other one's mainly just it's all the covers. Of it, and a lot of the covers are tributes to other issues. Like the revamp of Astonishing X Men is another is a tribute to the Joss Whedon run on Astonishing X Men and stuff like that. So, Corey, what what are you what are your thoughts on on this?
2: Well, I think we we went a little bit in on this last week. Is that we were talking about the Marvel Cinematic Universe? I like the Falcon. As the falcon I, I I don't dislike him as Captain America at all, but I don't really see why, in the movies they would need to make a legacy captain America uh, it, it, In comic books, it works because you can always reset with comics very easily in films that's a t- another thing entirely uh, because actors age out and and it just it seems kind of silly yeah. but uh, him going back to the Falcon in the comics is fine. At this point in time, the relationship between him and Steve Rogers and Steve Rogers as Captain America is relatively strained due to what's going on in Secret Empire. And I'm interested to see what comes along with this as the new status quo. Yeah, what is Falcon's story going to be now that he's no longer filling in to to Steve's boots essentially
1: now, i'm 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 excited for this because of the fact that, where I I did enjoy the the uh, Cap America Sam Wilson book because it tackled race, it tackled a lot of things that w- comic book fans had fallen guilty of. With the oh well, they cast Michael B. Jordan as the Human Torch. Oh no, Johnny Storm is not black. It's not black. Blah 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 blah. They tackle that like Cap America's not black. Oh my gosh, why are you doing this to us? in there. And it was a great, compelling story. You know, like, that's where I uh, I really enjoyed it. And, you know, am I upset that they're... That when you say great, to-
2: compelling story, you don't mean the the Josh Trank Fantastic Four movie, though, right? <laughs> you mean the I, I, Sam, no, Wilson no, that, Sam Wilson Captain America.
1: Sam is Captain America. Not right. the Fantastic Four. I just, because- I
2: just didn't want you to embarrass yourself and us entirely by... <laughs>
1: Oh, no, no. See, I don't, like, I, I, you can complain about the Josh Trank Fantastic Four movie. The least thing you need to complain about is Michael B. Jordan playing Johnny Absolutely. Storm. Yeah. I mean, if, you, if your problems are with that, you would need to watch the movie just to realize how much it sucked.
2: That movie was not nothing in the blame of that movie goes towards the casting
1: i would rather watch the 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 what is it roger corman that version that fantastic four than that than that
3: sean have you ever seen the roger corman fantastic four um, i have seen clips from it but that's about as far as i've gotten with it and uh i, I don't know that i could sit through the whole thing i mean i'm sure i could just from uh a standpoint of saying I've experienced this, but I don't... I, from what I've seen, I don't think I could buy into that. I would rather see the newer movies, as, as bad it, as they are.
2: It was certainly more beholden um, to the original material than the most recent film. Mm-hmm. Uh, the The early 2000s ones with uh, Chris Evans in the Human Torch and, mm-hmm. and uh, Ian Griffold and all those characters, I think was very true to Fantastic Four. I think it was just what none of them have been true to except for the Corman one is Dr. Doom mm-hmm. and yeah. they yeah. haven't told very good stories, but the the Corman one, I remember watching it on VHS. We we had it at one of the comic shops that I managed uh, when I still was in Michigan and I play every once in a while. It's not memorable. It's not good. Uh, it's not even one of those things that you see it in, in that time period where you don't have a lot of superhero movies and say, oh, this is fantastic because it's the only Marvel superhero movie we have at this point. Right. It just wasn't. Uh, it, it's it's akin to the uh, the made-for-television Captain America movies, which as a kid I loved, right. but as an adult I'm like, oh, no, none of that works. So it it's <laughs> it's right in there with its time, and I love when people say, oh, the Corman the one was much more true and, and, and a much better representation of Fantastic Four. I don't know, man. It, it, Doctor Doom looked like Gonzo from The Muppets. And uh, when they finally decide to make the Human Torch into the Human Torch, it's obviously hand-drawn animation and is just a hot mess. Um, but it's, <laughs> it's worth seeing it. It's worth seeing it for, for the one time. Just like seeing the Generation X movie or the Power Pack made-for-TV movie. All of those things, you, you got to sit through them once if you have the opportunity and then you can walk away and just know, thank God, thank God yeah. for that.
3: Although, now that you mention it, I, I kind of want to see the Muppets do Fantastic Four. I think we might finally get the Fantastic Four movie we want.
2: Yeah. Yeah, that would be actually... The thing is is that we have the Fantastic Four movie we want. It's called <laughs> The Incredibles.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. True. <laughs> so, I mean, going through... um, So, Corey, can you explain a little bit of the... Of the the controversy of um, what Marvel legacy is possibly hitting at here.
2: Yeah. So what Marvel's run into as a company, one of their biggest problems lately seems to be not even the content of their books, not even the, the stories and stuff, certainly the people who, who spend more time tweeting than, than actually uh, making the comics, but it seems to be their marketing because where there's been frustrations lately is we know that, uh, a couple months back, one of the people made a statement of we tried to really push diversity in our comics and the response hasn't been good. And they, they kind of made the blame be about the diverse characters that they were introducing as opposed to the fact that they were doing event after event and the comics were selling for 3 99 to 4 99 to $5.99. Uh, so they were pricing out people. They were constantly relaunching. They just didn't seem to understand where retailers are coming from saying your comics don't sell anymore. And yes, it may be that people want to read Steve Rogers as Captain America, but Steve Rogers had a comic. Uh it may be that they want to read the original Thor as Thor. Well, son had a comic. So mm-hmm. I'm not sure exactly it it certainly they were taking in directions of Tony Stark isn't Iron Man anymore, but Tony Stark is kind of in Iron Man even though he's dead and some like artificial intelligence thing i don't know what he is uh
1: he's he's unconscious uploaded his brain before he's the new jarvis dying yeah yeah uh
2: yeah so the the problem maybe the people don't want to read comics about riri williams as ironheart or whatever or maybe don't want to read about victor von doom as superior iron man or maybe it's not that maybe it's a lot of other things So Marvel has been saying that they're going to push out this new legacy thing that's going to get them back to basics and it's going to reintroduce some of the more established characters and it's going to be a a core reshuffle of Marvel into what made Marvel great. And how they introduce it is a lot of covers for books that look like they're the same goddamn books uh, just in homage covers to old books. And they don't give you any information as to who's writing them. Uh, They don't give you any information as to who's drawing them or what the story content is. It's just a bunch of goddamn covers that look like the same shit. And that's not going to help them. And if those books come out and they're five bucks a pop, that's not going to help them either. So Marvel had to basically start a whole other... um, like tour, not a tour exactly, but they're going to be talking to retailers about the legacy thing. They're going to be talking to the comics pro retailers, which is a comics professional retail organization uh, that is like, you have to pay to be a member of it and everything, but they're going to go up to them and say, no, no, this is really what legacy is about. It's like, well, you should have done that from day one. And while you do have to put some information out to the retailers, you kind of have to put it out to the fans too. And I'm sure that stuff will leak, but they're just not doing a very good job of selling what Marvel is today. Whereas when DC did Rebirth, they seemed to pick up from the fans what the fans felt they were missing in the New 52. Uh, especially with Superman, but even across the board of some of their other titles as well. They, they said, okay, we get it. The New 52 was way too much of a departure from the core of what our characters have been about for all these years. Let's try to get back to that. And it's not all been 100% successful, but it's been far more successful than what DC had been going through before that for the last five years. And I just don't know that Marvel gets it. I like the legacy covers as an aspect of it. I like the promise that some of these books that have had longstanding uh, numeration of, like we're on number 700 or something with Spider-Man and they've just remembered it so many times the number one that you don't get to see that legacy aspect of it. They're saying that they're going to bring back the original numbers again, uh, or they're going to say, like, for the last 10 years that we've had one through 15 and then one through six and one through whatever, we're going to add them all up to be where Spider-Man should be. That's that's nice, but you still haven't proven as a company that you know how to make the comics compelling for sales. And that's yeah. where the problem is. And does it have to start at the top? Does it have to be like the, the editor-in-chief uh, of Axel Alonso? Does it have to be Dom Prevert? Do those people have to go away? And that was much the same way as what people were saying about DC. It's like you keep putting Dan DiDio and Jim Lee in charge, and they keep doing the same stuff over and over again, and it's showing that people aren't taking to their vision. Do we need to get a new visionary in there? Uh, do we need to get a classic visionary visionary in there some people have been screaming jim shooter should come back uh, and i'm sure nobody louder than jim shooter himself but it's we don't know enough at this point to say if this is a good thing or a bad thing but there are certainly characters like uh america the miss america book is is going to continue the miss marvel character is going to continue the champions are going to continue uh, a lot of these things we know are are coming back and and staying on the same path they were already at. So what have we seen that's changed? nothing so far and and that's maybe okay maybe not it's it who knows but the the things that have been rumored so far is that we'll see some of the characters return to their classic states like we'll get Bruce Banner back as Hulk We'll get. Steve Rogers back as Captain America in some way after this event and Tony Stark and all those things. That's, that's what people believe that they were being sold. We just haven't seen that part announced yet. And I think yeah. that comes down again yeah. to, to poor marketing.
1: No, definitely. Um, so, um, I already know Corey's stance on this and I don't want to ask again, but, um, Sean and Kevin, you guys don't read comics, do you?
3: Um, I'm not a big comic reader, mostly because of the cost with having four kids. It's kind of cost prohibitive, but I just learned recently that my uh, local library has started uh, carrying a lot of the collections. And I just uh, checked out the JLA three through six and I'm starting to work through those. Uh, So, I I mean, I'm familiar enough with it to to know. And I, I think from my perspective, as someone who isn't, a real deep comic reader um, having the characters be who I expect them to be um, is kind of what I'm looking for. Like, you know, I don't like trying to figure out, okay, which flash is this, which, uh, you know, we're in Marvel, which Captain America is this and why is this one? And, you know, so it it gets a little bit too convoluted for me. It's same thing with the the renumbering system, like, uh, you know, every, we're going to keep resetting and now, you know, something I know about captain America is no longer true because it's in this, this version and not that version. And, you know, so I, I can say from a very casual comic fan perspective or someone who is just starting now to get into the comic book side of it, it does tend to confuse things. So, but i don't think that that's who they're doing this for you know So,
1: like i said before my hope with this is because i came i came into comic books at a weird time i came in with in the in marvel now and with the new 52 Hmm. um you know where i was reading comics every day so i've been reading comics um you know every week for about Five six years now, I think, and God, like, how long have we been doing the podcast? Because it's been almost hand in hand, and the so for me, it's one of those like, if they're going to go back to the numbering system, I I you know like, like I appreciate that, like because you know DC did that with uh, Detective Comics and Action Comics when when they did the the rebirth, and and it's it's one of those like it's like okay yes it makes sense because you have Especially when you have these long you know running titles, number them that way, um, I do I do agree like there has been number one fatigue where it's like every year, oh, there's a new number one, and it's like, no, don't do a num- a new number one unless you're gonna cancel the book, like actually full-on cancel the book.
2: Um, it hit a stopping point that that yeah. was one of the frustrations that I saw as a retailer is it's it's one thing to relaunch the book because you've got a new creative team and you're going to start a new storyline and you want to get people on board for that. But when you're giving me a new number one and the number one is actually continuing the story from number 27 of the yeah. last series, it just stopped. All it's going to do is cause confusion. It's going to cause frustration for the people who pick up that number one and are lost as yeah. to what was going on before. And when you when you try, as a retailer... My job is to get people their doorway into a comic. So the first thing we have to establish is what kind of stories and comics so that you might be into. And then from there, where do you start? Where do you begin that you can feel safe that you're going to pick this up and not spend four bucks, five bucks, ten bucks on a, a trade to to be totally lost or, or not get a whole story? And right. that's been a frustration since, honestly, the the late 90s. Is that there aren't jumping on points. There aren't points that that aren't tied so heavily to continuity. And Marvel had the opportunity to clean this up. That seemed like what they were gonna do with their um what was the goddamn one that they did just a couple years ago where everything went into different worlds and stuff all uh, over Secret the place. Wars. Secret Wars. Really? That was Secret Wars? Shit. Yep. Secret uh, Wars two. Yeah, and, and so they they automatically were doing a a new version of a classic storyline. So you already have to kind of deal with the continuity from that. But then it seemed like secret wars was going to lead into a more refined version of the universe, but no, uh, we've got a whole bunch of people popping over from the ultimate universe that is dead and gone. We have a whole bunch of different versions of characters from a lot of different places from time jumps and everything. We got classic X-Men living in the modern day in a way that makes no sense. Uh, And it just seemed like Marvel doesn't know how to do legacy. DC is all about legacy. DC maybe has gone overboard with legacy because they have four or five Robins running around and they have, if you asked me, so Clark Kent and Lois Lane have a, have a child that's 10 years old. uh, Is that a cool thing to do with the Superman books? I would be like, "Mm, maybe in else worlds, I don't know how that's going to succeed. But it's been incredibly successful for the Superman books because it's well written and it's well thought out and the character is is good. But I think DC maybe has overdone it with Legacy, but Marvel just never knows how to do it. All they've ever done is said, oh, we've got to put somebody else in this suit and call them that name for a little while. I so think, here's your think... US agent as Captain America. Here's Thunderstrike as Thor. Here's uh, War Machine as Iron Man and then eventually we give them the old guys back but now this time it's like here's here's a couple of different ironmans here's a, a few different spider here here's this and it's like i don't need four icemen you know i don't i don't understand why you think you need four icemen it doesn't make any sense at all I don't it, know it why, because it's really
1: hot right now, Corey. Why would you four Iceman? It's because it's really hot right now, especially ice over in my there balls. in Northern California. Yeah, is your son, Bert, You could use an ice man just to be, so they go. Whoosh.
2: Which, which the new ice man might. Uh, I just <laughs> I, <laughs> if I can't if I can't sum up a character's origin and 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 what their their raison d'être is in in a paragraph or less. Then there's yeah. something fundamentally wrong with that book. Unless it's a book that's completely self contained and you're coming into like issue 40 of Why the Last Man, or, and even that I could pitch really easily at that point. I could pitch Preachery really easily in the last 10 issues of the book as easily as I could in the first 10 issues. But there's a difference with a so overbearing continuity. And and a lack of story, because all every story is is meant to get you to the next event. And that's yeah. what Marvel's been doing. And this doesn't so I, yet seem well, to be any and different. Even,
1: and even then, I feel like the Marvel with their whole like, this is going to change everything um, thing, it's sort of been, they've been looking at it too small. So for example, like we mentioned with Secret Wars, um, with what led up to before that was a um, I, something I wouldn't call an event, but like a mini series with Cataclysm over at the Marvel, over at the Marvel Ultimate Universe, um, where it was you know it was at, it was the winding down of that, which it seems like the only thing that Secret Empire or not Secret Empire, Secret Wars uh, two really hit and covered was the death, the quote unquote death of the Fantastic Four. And bringing in Miles Morales and his key, his key component or people that he needed into the six one six Marvel universe.
2: But he's still so that's that's what I. He's still from the Ultimate Universe, though, right?
1: No, yeah, he.
2: So I yes, have to I have to go and have a conversation with a new reader who's like, okay, this Miles Morales character, his, his how did he become Spider Man? Well. You see there was this other Marvel universe over here. No
1: no 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 see even no, tank no,
2: no, no, after I'm, Jeff Lowe fucked the dog on it and I'm going to
1: so- Hold on. I'm going to pause you right there. With this one you don't have you don't have to do that. Because the the origin of how he got his powers is still the same. It's because they, they hit on that. It's still his uncle stole a spider and it bit him. But that part he is still,
3: still
2: th- became Spider-Man because Peter Parker died, except he's kicking it with Peter Parker.
3: See, and that's where I have a big problem with a lot of these is, you know, it, I have no problem with Miles Morales taking over the Spider-Man mantle. The problem is when Miles Morales is doing it and Peter Parker's doing it and somebody else is doing it. And like you said, you've got multiple Spider-Men running around at the same time. And you got to know which universe, which one's in. And that, to me, that's the issue that I have with them.
2: And it also kind of takes away the specialness of the characters. Yeah. You know, there's Spider-Man, and and he does whatever a spider can. Except this other guy does whatever a spider can. And this chick silk all of a sudden could could do what the spider can, too. And and Spider-Woman, Spider-Woman doesn't do what a spider can. But she's she's Spider-Woman, and she looks cool. And she's got the boobs. Sure. You know, I I just... (laughs) I I I don't have a huge problem with the characters with same power sets as long as you treat them differently, you make them different. But when you make them all incredibly similar, or or worse, the same, then it's it's hard to make that pitch to a reader. Well, I I yeah. which Spider Man is my Spider Man, and, and it, I like the idea that everybody gets a Spider Man, and and that's the the argument that. Was made. Uh, I think Dwayne McDuffie did the the did story where there w- some kid imagined that he met Spider Man and Spider Man revealed himself to him and and Spider Man was African American because the kid was African American and in his mind that's who Spider Man was. And then the Donald Glover thing of wanting to play Spider Man in a movie, why couldn't he? You know, there was no reason why he couldn't. He would have done an amazing job playing the Peter Parker character, but because the internet went crazy and because somebody saw it and said, well, we, we could do that, but why don't we make a brand new character that has his own story and his own ideas and stuff like that, but make him Spider-Man based off that. That's cool. I love the idea of miles Morales. Mm -hmm. I just don't love the idea of having to make a, a 30 page synopsis of who miles Morales is to get somebody into his comic that's just the hardest yeah.
1: part yeah no yeah i don't know i'm my hope with this with marvel legacy with sam wilson becoming you know going back to the falcon um which even then still has there are still some problems with that because he when in his cat america book he had a sidekick who became the new falcon it was like this genetic um i'm bl- i'm blaming on the villain but it's like the, one of the villains who does, who messes with, uh like does like gene splicing or whatever. The
2: high evolutionary. Um,
1: not him. It was someone else. I, I can't think of exactly who it was, but uh, fused him, fused uh, this one kid with Red Wing. Um, to, and, and he was the new, the new Falcon uh, for a long time and all that. Basically, all I'm getting at is my hope is that le- the Marvel legacy is more DC rebirth and not Marvel now, 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 now to the third power.
2: And I, I, you know, I want Marvel to do good books. I want Marvel to be yeah. successful. It, it I, I'm shitting on them a little bit, but I'm shitting on them because I, I don't know if they have gotten it yet. Uh, and I'm not saying that I'm right, but I'm saying that the fans so far are not responding well. And and we'll have to see. But I, I really want Marvel to be super successful. Yeah. You know, and, and I get something out of it even if I don't read the comics by the fact that a lot of this stuff does wind up affecting the films at some point.
1: No, yeah, definitely. Um, the next story that we have is about TV ratings. And it's that Jimmy Fallon has finally broken the Colbert or Stephen Colbert's five month winning streak. Um you know, it's what since um since the week of January thirtieth, Stephen Colbert, it's been Colbert and then uh Jimmy Fallon and then probably what, uh Kimmel, Kimmel after that and stuff and uh and all that. But so, you know Jimmy Fallon finally claims victory um with an average a slim three 300, or three hundred and forty no, four thousand yeah, thirty four thousand viewers more than CBS's Late Late Show with Stephen Colbert, um, for that week. So, uh, Sean, you you've said you've been watching, um, the Colbert, there. show. You and Kevin have, yes. Um, are you surprised about this? Like, what is your, what is your take with hearing this?
3: It, I'm not surprised. <clears throat> Kevin, are you surprised by this or that? that Colbert uh, lost his spot to Fallon?
0: Not particularly. I mean, having seen both of them they're they both have a very different approach. I think that um, given time and circumstances appeals to different people. Fallon, I personally prefer Colbert simply because Fallon's a little too strange for me. Um, He's a little sticky. Yeah. Like, and personality wise, there's just something about him that I, I personally don't, It doesn't speak to me, but I know for a lot of people it does. But at the same time, I'm not really surprised by this fact because, for one, I didn't realize that Colbert had more viewers to begin with, so it's not really surprising um, to find that out. But, no, I wasn't particularly surprised by it when I heard it either.
3: I I think the biggest thing to this story is looking at the timeline. The the story itself mentions the fact that Colbert's five-month winning streak started the week of Trump's inauguration. Yeah. Uh, it's Corey mentioned in, in the uh, pre-show, it stopped when Trump's been quieter for the, the last couple weeks. You know, they, they've kind of clamped down on him and not letting him talk as much. The, the, the other thing is that Colbert in the la- since Trump has gotten in has become way more of a one trick pony. He is constantly at Trump. Um, he, he almost has two shows, the, the opening monologue and then the rest of the show and the opening monologue some nights is nothing but Trump bashing. And I'm not a Trump supporter by any stretch of the imagination. So I appreciate the Trump bashing, but, um, he's, like I said, he's kind of been becoming a one trick pony and he's getting mean, you know, it, before it just was like Trump I mean, it's so easy to make fun of some of the stuff that, that he was making fun of. Um, and he was doing it very smartly. But lately, it just seems more venom than humor. Yeah. <clears throat> and I think that kind of stuff in the late night is is going to be a turnoff for the people who are tuning into CBS or ABC or NBC, as opposed to when he used to do it over at Comedy Central.
2: Well, and that's the funny thing, is that it was... It, it seemed to have been what turned more people on. Is what we're saying is that for the first several months of, of Colbert's show on CBS, it didn't seem like it had a direction. They were trying to take the Colbert that we knew and 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 push that aside. And what he did is he re-embraced some of his persona from the Comedy Central thing because Colbert got the gig because we loved the Colbert rapport and we right. loved him on The Daily Show. And to cut him off at the knees and take the political stuff out, I think, was a mistake, but he is a great host in his own right, and he can do comedy. He has chops outside of being that character. <laughs> uh, if you've seen him and everything, if you've if you've seen him on cartoon shows or old stuff on Comedy Central before Daily Show even came out, like Stranger with the Candies, with Strangers Candy, with Candy and stuff, he's he's excellent. He's got range. But what happened is it was that perfect storm. And I remember John Stewart used to say stuff like this too: is that it's a lot easier to do comedy when things are a mess when you're doing political comedy, because it gives you so much material and Trump is an endless material guy. But at the same time is, is that enough to run a whole show? Because Seth Meyers is doing very good stuff with the, the Trump Mm things. you know, his, his rants on him are great as well. Maybe not at the same amount of focus as what Colbert is. And maybe that's again, because we expect that focus from Colbert, but you're right is it's either, that people are starting to find it too mean or people are maybe starting to identify or appreciate Trump spread. I don't think so. Uh, some people (laughs) do absolutely. Some people do, uh, or that it's just so much of the same thing or like me, I just want to tune out. Sometimes I, I have to go for stretches of periods where I can't look at political news and I can't listen to a lot of political comedy because it's just overwhelming the amount of shit that's happening. It's like, you don't want to turn a blind eye to it because you start missing things that are happening right. uh, and you need to be involved and you need to be aware, but I don't need to be hammered with it when I'm looking for just straight up entertainment. Yeah. And so in that regard, plus we're talking about a 34,000 viewer gap uh, shifted suddenly. This is actually, this is really good news because it means that both shows are successful yeah. And there there can be a back and forth a, a balance, a, a teeter tottering a little bit of two guys who are bringing you entertainment in late night and and Kimmel and Conan as well. And, and they're all doing their own things and they're all making, you know, people have have enjoyment and giving us the option. Like, I'm not digging Colbert's shtick tonight so I can turn over to Fallon. Uh, or I can turn over to to Kimmel or I can go over and, and check out Trevor Noah's take on what's yeah. going on with the political stuff. I've got options, but they're all good shows and they're all successful. So that's great because the worry was that Colbert wasn't performing at Fallon's range. And did that mean that CBS made a bad choice?
3: No, I think they'll so- just
2: have to refit reconfigure the show again.
3: Yeah. I yeah. think that he just needs to be reined in a little bit on the opening monologue is to me that's that's the issue I think because like I said it's it's so he keeps beating that same drum over and over again and the, the you watch the stuff after the first break midnight confessional with Stephen Colbert the the thing where he puts on the big fuzzy hat and makes the proclamations and that's like one of the best parts of the whole show yeah the <laughs> deep thoughts with uh big stars or whatever when when they you know uh he yeah. did a thing with with Michelle Obama where they were camping out and they were like you know eight years old and talking about and it was friggin hysterical um but it's just you know when he just goes after Trump it goes after Trump it goes after Trump and it's and it's not Like, I'm starting to see, I think, his own personal distaste for Trump come through. And it's not so much humor as it is vitriol. And that's where I think people have a problem.
2: Yeah. And and when you get someone like John Oliver, who, who only has to do a show one night a week, Uh, And does a very good show and it doesn't have the limitations of being on, on mainstream TV and everything. When you have John Oliver each week, he picks a different theme. Now some weeks he says, yeah, this week Trump just was so far out of hand. We have to talk about him. We, We have to, but he still tries to concentrate the show on a lot of different stuff. And he comes at it more from an educational point of view of like, I'm trying to teach you guys about this as much as I'm trying to make you laugh through it. Uh, and Colbert's it, you're right, it's a monologue. Now some people that might be the one thing they're hunger for and they tune in for that opening monologue and and the rest of it doesn't matter and that may be where their their numbers are strongest and so they keep up with that. Uh, but for people who who come in and they want to see the people interviewed like that was always the thing with me with uh, the Daily show is I never really liked the interview portion of it. I liked the portions where he went on his political rants. That's what I watched that show for. Uh, sometimes this gets in between the, the, the rant at the beginning and the interview at the end. Sometimes they were good. Sometimes they weren't. It depended on who, who the correspondent was. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, I tune into that to see Jon Stewart, you know, hold political people's feet to the fire and, and hold news people's feet to the fire. I feel like that was something that we didn't have that voice before. And it was important to see that. Now we're getting that voice from a lot of different places. I think we're in the era of people who learn from The Daily Show and who learn from Stewart. And Colbert was there before Stewart was. So, I mean, it's not just all John, but right. it's that same kind of mentality. Uh, and and I don't think we need it as hammered down in this type of show, unless that's the show that they wanted to be. But it seems like a weird thing to take what it was David Letterman's show and make it that. And Letterman yeah, was always yeah. political, and Letterman was never about pulling punches. But, and and Letterman doesn't really like Donald Trump either.
1: Yeah. No, but, but I, I, I
2: do think it, it changes the dynamic of what the show has been for the last thirty years.
3: Right, and I can't see Letterman getting out there every night for five months, basically, and going after the same person.
1: Yeah, you know? but so, but to that to that point, though, when you have a person like you have, and I'm not gonna, I'm, I'm gonna phrase this in a different way you have you are the ceo of a company you have press people and they release a press like like apple we'll look at apple it's one of the biggest companies in the world and you got their press people are like oh we got the new iphone s or you know iphone 7s and it's going to do this 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 and this and then tim cook comes out and goes yeah, the iPhone 7 or 7S is going to be the greatest phone ever. It's going to, it's going to, you know, grant your wishes. It's going to do this and that. And, it, and like he does this over deliver thing. You're sort of going to like and contradicts what his people have stopped, thought, written out, you know, read and, you know, to make it sound smart. And then, oh, you're just going to shit all over that. It sort of steams. Like, okay, you're giving them material. Like, this this happened back in the George Bush era, you know, the George W. Bush era, except everyone wasn't like, oh, my gosh, he's never done politics, he doesn't know. It, it was like, he sounds a little, you know, he's a little bit dumb and all that. That's why people went to The Daily Show. That's why I went to The Daily Show as a, you know, young high schooler and all that Um, was because, you know, they're saying stuff that's contradicting and is making you making me see, all right, yeah, maybe he's not he's not making smart choices and all that. Um, the other part I will throw in here real quick is um, the article from the Hollywood Reporter is saying that the victory for the Tonight Show may be short-lived as um, late nights or the late show's winning streak um, has also been wit- or seen or has also seen the CBS telecast wind the margin of victory with live plus three day returns. In short, more most more people catching up on late show with DVR and VOD, so the you know thirty four thousand viewer gap uh, could or may evaporate evaporate. But on the Tonight Show side, they are still dominating with the eighteen to forty nine year olds. Um, you know the the latest week also marked the NBC show's biggest demo win since general or since January. Its average of point 0. zero or point uh, six eight rating. And the key demo, demo outperformed uh, the late show's 0. 0.42 rating by 62%. Yeah.
2: Uh, is, if, if we're going to talk anything about the Trump thing, I just want to make this one point, which is it, what I'm doing right now is, a, is an example of it. The guy is a narcissist and and good or bad, hearing his name said on TV so much just kind of feeds into his power. Mm-hmm. I think. Uh and and one of the great things about the Daily Show that I really liked is that while it may have been slightly more one than the other, or maybe not even slightly, they did go after all sides. Yes. You know, during the Obama years they went after Obama and they went after the Democrats and everything. And and while we have a boogeyman right now, if you keep screaming Candyman into the bathroom mirror, don't be surprised when fucking candyman comes up and kills you.
1: and the the last thing i'll plug is um with the british tv shows um one of the shows the last leg they have a trump jar where every time they said the name trump they put in a a pound a a british pound in into the trump jar so i believe after this last week they donate and they were all that money was going to go towards syrian refugees um
2: oh i thought it would go to where you none know, of the charity the uh, charities that trump said he was going to donate to and then didn't
1: <laughs> yeah but no because they 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 started it with the whole with uh oh god it was one of the trump oh with the whole like trump saying we're not gonna let in or basically doing the uh the travel ban you know the let's just keep keep them out and stuff like that hmm. like no we're gonna actually do because you know they looked at this and they're like okay they stopped thought like we're doing this. This is smart to let these people in because these are people who are refugees. This is not terrorists. This is not extremists um, and I made a slight, little, I'm gonna make a slight little change of plans here with my um, else view in a second but we'll get to that and so they're, they're donating. They donated like I think it was like 200 some almost 300 pounds um, to a Syrian charity, a Syrian refugee charity. I can donate 300
2: something. pounds by cutting off my leg.
1: <laughs> what is it pounds through?
2: I don't know, man.
0: it's you can dip it in whatever you want.'
3: I was gonna say I got a metal plate in my arm. we could start there.
1: You got a lot of metal in you
3: come yeah, to think about.
2: I got a little captain in me.
1: We should probably mention our uh patreon our patreon. If you want to be a partner like Growly Bear, you can go to gncast.com slash support. And on there, you will find ways like you, like Growly Bear did, where you join our Patreon, become a partner, and help us out. Keep, help us keep the lights on. Help keep your partner afloat. And now it is time for the else reviews. Corey, let's start with yours because yours sounds, sounds pretty interesting, my friend.
2: Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of uh, a little bummed out uh, of Sean's choice because Sean set me on a path uh, a couple weeks ago of saying that he was going to discuss something. On the next episode but that he he didn't get to make it for that episode uh, but musically I've been I've been going through some weird stuff and I don't even know how I fell upon this uh, but shifting through YouTube I came across this uh, remix artist he, he's a musician he, he does other stuff as well uh, but he goes by tronic box and what he's been doing is 80s remixes of of popular current songs and artists. So uh, he's got one of uh, Closer by a group that he calls the Marlboro Smokers, but obviously we know them as the Chain Smokers. Uh, he's got some great stuff with uh, Liddy Gaga, uh, a Cool for the Summer by, I don't know, one of those teenagers. Demi Lovato. <laughs> Demi Lovato. <laughs> uh, I actually like that song. I like the original song, too. Uh, some some Ariana Grande, some uh, Canadian bastards. I mean, Justin Bieber's and (laughs) it's, it's, it's interesting to see it on the YouTube because what he does is he plays it back like a VHS tape playing and all of the artists are done up in an 80s phase of, of uh, pageantry. Like when you look at Justin Bieber, he looks a little bit like uncle Jesse from full house. Uh, When you look at, (laughs) One of the pictures of Lady Gaga, she looks like Dolly Parton. Uh, there was some aerobicized work done on Katy Perry. But that could actually just be a legitimate picture of Katy Perry. I'm not Fair putting enough. anything past that girl. Uh, but it's it's so much fun. And I've, I've listened to a lot of the, the synthesized 80s kind of throwback stuff. Certainly when uh, Stranger Things came out, the music for that is an 80s throwback. And I listened to a lot of the other bands that were doing stuff like that. Uh, already and this is just that next step it's it's more recognizable but he does such a fantastic job of completely remaking the song uh, just the the lyrics whatever the person is singing is there but everything in the backing tracks is completely changed and sometimes he'll change the tempo down or up to make it popular or more of a ballad and it just works so seamlessly and so well and and they're all very masterfully done. Uh, You can listen to it on SoundCloud as well, but I've just been going to YouTube and playing in the background over and over again. It's really fun.
1: Yeah, I'm checking it out right now, and it does sound really cool. I also realized that, like, doing two separate volume things, like, so my speakers have a volume, and then the computer, I'm like, blasting my ear out right now. But yet, it's yeah i I could see myself listening to this tomorrow at work
2: yeah I mean I don't know how much nostalgia you have for the 80s since you weren't in them or anything but it, I'm it's
1: 489 so you could shut the fuck up <laughs> yeah. I'm just saying it,
2: it, it, a long time ago uh, <laughs> back when cable was only 30 channels we had our own style of music and I mean, that, one of those was
3: a
1: thing one of those
3: <laughs> channels actually played music videos so
1: Actually, yeah. I remember a time when two channels played music videos. <laughs> well, see, that's what you you
3: later. You've got more channels and more music.
1: <laughs> and they were right next to each other, too.
3: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and
2: you had to wait for shit you like to come on to those channels.
3: <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, when are we going to hear Doc
2: and quit it with the angels of centerfold, you bastards? <laughs> <laughs>
3: And, see, and I, on the other hand, would be like, why are we listening to Doc and when we could be listening to, you know, Centerfold by Jay Giles?
2: <laughs> I, I, Jay Giles was certainly <laughs> a <we're> stimulating <laughs> video to watch.
3: <laughs> that may or may not have been my reasoning.
1: <laughs> yep. Mute. <laughs> but yeah, Sotronic Box, that sounds, that honestly, sounds really awesome. Kevin, let's do yours next. Uh, which Pirates of the Caribbean are you bringing to us?
0: Um, I'm actually going to be talking uh, mostly about, about the ride most recent, <laughs> yes I did I did go on the ride last summer actually when I was out at Disneyland in California um, my it cousin, still
1: it still inspires you to this day
0: it does I'm I live the life of a pirate uh, no but I was actually gonna talk about the most recent one uh, which is dead men tell no tales I have never been a fan of the Pirates of the Caribbean series uh, the first one was was Pretty good second one was decent and three and four I like to forget the fact that I even watch those movies um, <laughs> but this one I saw first I saw it for Father's Day uh, with my stepdad because my my father here does not have any interest in those movies whatsoever uh, which is actually why we went and <laughs> saw Wonder Woman today but then yesterday uh, my girlfriend and I went out to celebrate our one-year anniversary and she's a huge Pirates of the Caribbean fan was so upset that she couldn't come with me to see it the first time, so I had to go see it again. Um, but I'm not going to lie. It's actually, and I say this both for people that are fans of the series and aren't fans of the series, it's a pretty good movie, actually. Um, my girlfriend and I were talking about it. We both thought that it was at least as good as Curse of the Black Pearl, probably better. Okay. Um, they do a really good job bringing in uh, some older characters, Barbosa's in it, uh, Will Turner and Elizabeth Swan do show up, um, as well as obviously Jack Sparrow. And so they bring in some of the older characters, you know, some recognizable faces and things. But they also have these two new characters, Henry Turner and Karina Smith, who are kind of, they kind of pass along the torch to them. Um, They're a huge part of the movie. Uh, They're the ones that are really the plot is focused on them and their own adventures and personal relationships with the characters. Were these Um, characters
2: played by Johnny Depp's dogs?
0: No, (laughs) I just
2: assume he takes them everywhere.
0: (laughs) No, but it it was kind of strange how much because Henry Turner is Will Turner's son. And it was kind of strange how much the actor they got to play him looked like uh, just a much younger Orlando Bloom. Like it was, you don't use
3: Orlando Bloom still like twelve.
0: He is, (laughs) but this kid looks like he's like six, so a much younger or like like half his age, Orlando Bloom. Fair enough. But it was just, and the story was so much better written, I thought, than the other ones. Um, it was just, it was compelling. It was a really fun movie too. There were some really cool, fun scenes that were just nice to watch. Um, and some of the jokes in there were really good too. I mean, it was funny to watch. It was fun. It was just all around. I mean, the movie's almost two and a half hours, but it didn't feel like it watching it either of the times that I saw it. Um, And some movies, you know what's coming and it just doesn't excite you. But with this one, even seeing it a second time, knowing what was coming, I was looking forward to getting to see that stuff again. Whereas with a lot of movies, you just kind of go, okay, well, I already saw this. I know what's coming. Let's just get it over with. Um, and so I honestly, even for people that, you know, have, have maybe seen some of the earlier movies, or even if you haven't, but just have no interest in it, I would recommend this movie simply because it is fun and you don't really have to know much about what happened in the first few movies. And I think part of that is having these younger actors. It's kind of a new generation. Um, there are some callbacks to the earlier movies, but nothing so groundbreaking that you have to watch them to understand what's going on.
1: Yeah, so uh, Brenton Thwaites is the uh, kid who, or the actor who plays the uh, Henry <laughs> Turner, and then K.S. Scaldi- uh, Scaldiero plays Karina Smith. Um, Brenton Thwaites was in uh, Gods of Egypt, and then uh, Maleficent, and what was the other one? Uh, the Giver. I think he was the, the main character in The Giver. Oh, okay. Um, and then KS, yeah, and then KS Scar- uh Scaldiaro. I'm butchering her last name. She is in the first generation group with, uh, on the TV show Skins. over okay. Over oh.
2: And also, just to make Shadow and I feel completely horrible about ourselves, Orlando Bloom is 40.
3: Hey, still younger than me. Bastard.
2: younger than me too but not a lot and not looking like that 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 is that is some harsh shit
3: yeah <laughs> the two years older than him i am have been a really really hard two years let me well, tell well you. maybe they'll be hard on him too
0: maybe <laughs> two years you'll feel a lot better about yourself.
1: So. <laughs> i doubt it
2: <laughs> i have but never been in orlando bloom so, shape so
1: no so kevin real quick because unless orlando bloom
2: ate five other orlando
1: blooms (laughs) (laughs) so so kevin real quick um because in i know in the commercials i've only seen the commercials for pirates but what did you how did you feel about the young jack sparrow uh scenes or scene or scenes um it was for one it was a little weird
0: because Instead of making young uh, Jack Sparrow look like a young Johnny Depp, they made Johnny Depp look like a young Jack Sparrow. And it was just kind of a strange piece of CGI work that that really didn't hold up. But uh, the scenes themselves are very compelling because they tell a lot of Jack Sparrow's backstory uh, about how he got the last name Sparrow and became a captain. And they're also very compelling because it actually is the same scene that sets up Um, the main villain Captain Salazar and why he is the way he is and why he's hunting um, Jack and these kids. And it's just for the first couple scenes of the movie, you're not entirely sure what his motive is, but then it's a very, I thought a very masterful way to kind of set up the entire movie's plot um, as well as we finally get some background on Jack Sparrow after four and a half movies. Um, yeah,
1: but so that you actually you actually answered where I was. Yeah, you actually answered where I was going with that because I know like like this and then um Benjamin Button and um the Avengers was the Avengers or or Captain America Civil War where they did the young Tony Stark um, Civil, young War, Tony Civil, Civil War I think Civil War
2: they did young yeah. Michael Jackson Ant Man they did yeah. young uh well they did Snake Plissken. In the Guardians of the Galaxy 2. It, it's yeah, it, it's becoming so a very overused effect on Disney's part. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So like I was wondering like how, how it looked, like if it looked because when I saw the young Tony Stark in Cap America, it threw me out for that second. Yeah. Like I'm like, ah, oh, that looks but like it did that with um, you know, Tron Legacy and you know, all the other times, like actually Guardians 2 was the first time where it didn't take me out of it.
0: Yeah, because oh, Kurt man. Russell really didn't look the same in those younger scenes. He looked like a different person. Whereas, he looked different I, from yeah. a young Kurt Russell. Yeah. <laughs> but I feel like a lot of these movies, they, they just... It's like they take the actor and just... And I think they did do it in uh Captain America, the First Avenger, too, with Chris Evans, because they made him... They like plastered his face onto a smaller actor before he became captain America yeah and so it was it, but in it that just, regard
2: it, it it felt earned the the idea of taking the the aged actor and making them younger for a scene it almost feels like it's unnecessary to then do that scene I, I know it's it's kind of yeah. ridiculous to have the original actor replaced by somebody younger who doesn't look a lot like them uh, but that Disney's doing that already with young han solo i maybe at this point they're not maybe at this point they've decided that they can't (laughs) get the guy to act because i know that they've had to bring in acting coaches for him and they're just gonna have harrison ford's face plastered (laughs) on a 10 year old or something (laughs) get off my damn falcon (laughs) what What are
3: you talking about all right instead of baby group we get baby chewbacca (laughs)
0: big money lies in baby chewbacca
3: i bet it does yeah
0: (laughs) but honestly though for that scene i mean that was the only problem that i had with it was just visually he did not look good but everything else about that scene i thought was was really well done um you know, it sets up the villain, gives you a lot more background on the hero and the plot. And and it's only like a five-minute scene out of this two-and-a-half-hour movie. So it, it doesn't feel like it drags on or anything. It's just a really good way of setting everything up, I thought.
1: Yeah. No, that's cool. I think I'm going to check that out, but I think I might wait for Netflix because I think it'll be one of those like, oh, it goes to Netflix shortly after coming out in, on Blu-ray. Yeah. Um, Just because I've had... I like the first one. I didn't enjoy the second one as much as the first one because I'm like, oh, it's a lot of the same. And then I uh, don't remember if I saw the third one. I know I did not see the fourth one because it's just like, oh, it's a lot of the same thing. It's Johnny Depp acting like he's, you know, putting on an accent and then acting like he's, you know, something else or whatever. Yeah. You know, blah. <laughs> the the
2: first one I loved. I thought the first one was such a great original movie. I thought it was a fantastic character. I thought Depp created captain jack sparrow and and it was like one of those things of like holy crap that guy disappeared in this role it did something completely original and fun and then the second and the thirds were so dark and depressing compared to the first film and 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 in many ways repetitive but just at the same time it was just like it lost so much of the fun elements of the first one and the fourth one is frankly for me like star trek beyond it may have been a good movie i just can't remember a goddamn thing about it five minutes after watching it
0: yeah yeah i think too with this one it like it's it's similar to the other ones because it is pirates and it's johnny depp and everything but it's got enough original stuff especially with the villain i mean i think captain salazar is probably the best villain that this series has seen there's a lot of things about it that make it very different and very compelling compared to the other ones. And it's not as dark as 2 and 3 were. It's it's a little bit more lighthearted. It feels a little bit more Disney than the other ones did, which was kind of nice after seeing some of the stuff that they did with some of the other movies and everything. But overall, I did think they did a good job of kind of changing things up a little bit and, and bringing people into it a lot more than the other films did.
1: Not yeah, cool. Um, so I'm going to mention one of mine and then I'm, we're going to do Sean's cause I'm going to be talking about all three of these or three of these four <laughs> things coming up. And cause really quickly it's, uh, the last leg correspondence, it's a new all four, like it's, which is channel four in the UK. It's their digital, uh, brand. So it's on YouTube, um, where you can watch it. They're doing this thing where they're doing, um, more John Oliver style reporting, um, but with comedians um the first one they did with a british muslim comedian um and they were tackling and they they did the, they filmed it before um some of the, tra- the the tragedies that had happened uh recently in 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 england and they were asking they were hitting some things like one of the parts they hit in the show was um with like the uh, uh, radicalized muslims is well what are they doing what is he doing as an islamic or as as a Muslim to stop radical Islamic terrorism, and he's like, none of my friends are Islamic, or not are radical Muslims or anything like that. You know, it's sort of like asking, um, you know, a banker, what are you doing to stop money laundering? And he did that. He goes to a bank. He's got a microphone. Like, hey, hey, can I talk to you a second? What are you doing about stop, to stop uh, money laundering? You know, and I'll, just to point how stupid it is to talk about that. Um, It's a great show. They only done one episode. Um, I think there's going to be another episode coming out this week. Uh, But check it out. It's on uh, YouTube. Just search channel four or last Leg correspondence. I think I spelled it right in our show notes. I don't know. Um, But Sean, you've, you've been feeling the glow recently. I I have been all aglow recently. You are the last
2: (laughs) dragon. You possess the power of female wrestling. (laughs)
3: Yeah, you know, and I'm going to put on my uh, old man hat here for a minute and say, you know. Wait, don't you always have that on? shut up. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) We're just previewing our uh, cosplay that we're going to do as uh, Statler and Waldorf at the next (laughs) convention. Uh, But anyway, uh, you know, when I was a kid, I was into wrestling, like really into wrestling. I went to a friend's house and we did all the pay-per-view stuff. I used to go down to the spectrum on a monthly basis and see the live show um, that would come to Philadelphia every month. Uh, It was such a big treat on Saturday nights to stay up when they did Saturday night main event. Um, You know, and, but when I was a kid, you know, you had Hulk Hogan, you know, say your prayers and eat your vitamins and you had, uh, you know, guys walking around with two by fours and, entering the ring and kilts and, you know, it was goofy and it was fun and it was full of, of the schlock and nothing was as schlock full as glow was Uh glow came out in like the late eighties. It was the gorgeous ladies of wrestling. And it was, I, I think the best way I've ever heard it described is it was part, uh, part professional wrestling and part hee haw. And it was very much in that vein. I mean, they had these little skits and the characters and everything. Um, Well, Netflix has gone and made a show. Uh, It's a it's a comedy. The episode, ten episodes, about thirty five minutes each episode, Um, and it's got a great cast. Allison Brie is in it. Mark Maron, who I normally don't care for, to be honest, is fantastic um, in the role that he's got. And then there's there's a lot of other people who are not household names who are really good in the show and it follows the creation of glow. And the thing that I found really interesting was a lot of the, the stuff that I read was like, yeah, they use the name and it's like really loosely based on it. Um, but I think they actually undersold that part. I think it's really a lot more based on it than people are are realizing. Um, and I came to that realization because after I watched Glow, Netflix was kind enough to recommend uh, a documentary that was made in 2012 uh, by Stephen I think was the director. No, I'm mixing that up. He's the guy that did the Jake the Snake one. Never mind. I'm uh, <laughs> getting my wrestling documentaries mixed up. Uh, see, I've been going down my own rabbit hole lately. But anyway, um, they did it. They did a really good um, documentary and talked to a lot of the women that were involved. Uh, even had them like had a reunion at the end and it was really very touching. But watching the documentary after watching the show, you see how many things they really hit on, you know, converted it, made it into comedy and things like that. But a lot of it is based in the actual historical fact. And the, the, the glow show that Netflix did, the Netflix original is um, it's really, it's funny. It's, it's touching you know, um, I, I may or may not have had to take my glasses off and wipe my eyes during the last episode. I'm not admitting to anything. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's another thing that happens when you get old. Uh, but your eyes start <laughs> leaking. <laughs> yeah, your eyes start leaking when you watch television and movies. <laughs> uh, but uh, I can't recommend it enough. But if you're going to watch the show, do yourself a favor and invest the hour and 20 minutes into the documentary afterwards. I really think it, yeah. it gives you a better appreciation for what you just watched. Um, and I mean, I love that show when it was on, it was the, the worst possible. Like you, you watch the documentaries and you see the clips from it and you cringe and just go, Oh my God, this was, you know, on television, let alone the fact that, it was television i enjoyed uh but (laughs) it it just it was the corny goofy zany side of professional wrestling and uh you know i guess maybe it pulled on those heartstrings of my youth but i really enjoyed the show and the the documentary as well
1: what i i also enjoyed i've only seen the first five episodes Mm -hmm. um and but the thing i i had that i had caught from um because i'm a Attitude Era, like early early Attitude Era, with WWE. Never watched WCW, mm. to now uh, watcher of wrestling, and it's cool to see like one of the actors. Um, she has a recurring role, but she's a she's a a five time women's champion. Um, you know across the independents and um holding uh, the then TNA, it's now Impact Wrestling uh, championship. Um, Kaya Stevens, she plays. Uh, Tammy Dawson on there also known as the welfare queen um mm-hmm. she's an actual professional you know you know one of those when I saw her when I would watch her I'd be like man I hate her like like she's good but it's like I hate her she's a great heel yeah a great bad bad guy because it's like she's beating up on women like a quarter of her size not a quarter but like you know, like half her size. Oh, yeah she's just like it's like uh, how who's gonna beat her and, and stuff like that but I mean they've got and out of the, um, out of the wrestlers that I've seen in here, like uh, John Morrison, um, plays the uh salty the sack Johnson mm. um, from the first episode. Um, you know they got Brodus Clay, uh, Carlito from WWE, uh, Joey Ryan, Brooke Hogan's in here, Alex Riley, Christopher Daniels, and Frankie Gazarian are all in here, and like so far with seeing, I've only seen you know four of them with uh kaya stevens who played awesome who was awesome kong in tna um but seeing her john morrison and brodus clayton i didn't realize it was carlito until i looked here and i'm like wait what yeah because he didn't look like the dude with the poofy fro who'd eat the apple and be like i spit in the face of people who are not cool and all that um like he looked totally different here but i've really enjoyed the show too and i've never you know i i loosely grew up on hulk hogan you know say your vitamins or Mm. say say your prayers eat your vitamins vitamins, (laughs) eat
3: your prayers we got
1: it yeah yeah (laughs) um and all that but you know this is i mean no i was just gonna say like this is it's really cool to see this like i did i do like mark maron's character in here it's Mm. like because he's skeevy but it it works like he's doing it for the right reasons. Yeah. Um, and all that.
3: Yeah. And, you know, it's funny because you you mentioned the welfare queen character. And when when that character in the show is being developed there, there's a meeting in Mark Maron's office between Mark Maron and the welfare queen. And she's really voicing her concerns about how this is so stereotypical. This is so, you know, demeaning to. Uh, you know, black culture and things like that, and he they they have a really good back and forth about how this can be used as social commentary. and when you watch the the documentary, they really go into a lot of the stuff about how um they did a ton of stuff in the original show that was social commentary. so yeah, I, I really liked the fact that they were willing to you know, go down that route because you do the Asian girl, her wrestling name is fortune cookie, you know, and then you've got the British girl who's Britannica and you've got, you know, the all American girl who's Liberty bell. And then, you know, it's just, and then she ends up being enemies with the girl who does the Russian character and, you know, and all of that was, you know, derived right from the original storylines in glow, but it was really cool to see them do those types of things and have the characters not just blindly go into this and say, well, I'm an actress. I need the job. I'm going to do this. They really wrestled, wrestled with, pun Uh intended. They really wrestled with the, you know, the social commentary of it as well, which I don't think I appreciated as a kid, but watching the documentary now got a much better appreciation for what they really did with that.
1: Yeah. Also, I will add the Asian uh, wrestler, as you call it, uh Jenny Jenny Che, the actress uh, Ellen Wong, also played Knives Chow in Scott Pilgrim.
2: Oh, oh, she was in Yeah. Oh that oh, what was that horror movie that I've just been going nuts over recently?
1: Damn it. Silent Cargo? No. Silent Night. No.
2: No, it was the throwback uh, kind of eighties. The,
1: the void. Hmm? The circle. The
2: void. The void. The void. oh yeah that movie is so good and and she was the only actor or actress that i knew in that film
1: yeah and again this is one of those things like like seeing that and i clicked on like that name so- ellen wong that name sounds so familiar and like just just me looking at the wikipedia page and i go what oh did not recognize her yeah like did not like i mean then again i mean scott pilgrim came out in 2010 so i mean yeah that was seven years ago but still it was one of those like i'm like oh uh, what you know it it threw me for a second because it was one of those much like carlito like they dove into this character or you know enough time had passed where i hadn't really seen them you know on anything where it's like uh, okay this is actually really interesting how, like that they're doing good like i don't see i don't see them being oh this is ellen wong playing this character i just see jenny che Who is who's an actor in the or actress in the 80s, who then becomes the fortune cookie. And stuff like that. But yeah, and so the the documentary is available on Netflix? Yes. Yes. Okay, cool. So yeah, the last the last show we're gonna mention here, and I know I'm cheating by doing two, and I don't care um because it's gonna be really quick, because it's one episode. It's the Gong Show. This is the return of the Gong Show. We talked about this before in the news with um with uh the fact that the the host uh tommy maitland you might rec if you watch the show you might recognize the voice um because that is mike myers and i honestly wonder how like want to know how much of that is prosthetic because if that's all prosthetic face you know like on him how does he not like just sweat so bad really like in between, actually, like, hold on, we gotta go cool off, Mike, and stuff like that. But um, did either did any of you guys see uh, the Gong Show, uh, the premiere last Thursday? Was
2: not I watched,
3: where it was a thing.
2: Yeah, I watched the last half of it when it repeated on Saturday, and yeah. uh, Zach Galifianakis, Will Arnett, and Ken Jeong were the judges on it. Yep, and it just seemed like, other than Will Arnett because I know he's a producer on the show. Uh, Ken and Zach seem to have no fucking idea what they were doing on that show. Yeah, a <laughs> little bit. It, it, it just seemed they were just... How did I get here? Uh, it, it, it's it's one of those things where you had your your drink on all night, and you wake up, and you're in bed with a cowboy and uh, three pigs, and, and you just go... <laughs> fuck happened and that that might have been one of the the acts on the show i'm not sure if i'm remembering that correctly but it was it was kind of a hot mess which the gong show is and i appreciate it for that perspective because they didn't try to update the gong show and make it anything other than what it used to be no yeah but it's also a show that's very hard to make successful it was always kind of underground program in the 70s and 80s when it was on and then when they tried to bring it back with, uh, I think Dave Attell was the host. Um, yeah. It did not do well, even on Comedy Central, which can handle that kind of show. ABC, primetime?
1: Mm-hmm. Weird. But it's it's going in on in the summer. So I could easily see, like I was talking, because my grandma, she watched actually yeah, it was the this, this Saturday replay. Because I brought laundry over, and I was like, and I go, so did you like did you just turn it on you know like how far are you like what do you think of the of what you're watching um and she's like it's weird i'm like yeah it's it's a talent show like america's got talent or whatever but for the people who would never get on america's got talent or you know any of those other um any of those other you know reality shows you know reality it's, it's if
2: shows. american idol was all william hung singing she bangs
1: <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah um i i enjoyed the show i mean i you know i liked it early early on it seems like zach galifianakis was like all right w- um i owe will Arnett a out favor ken jong got really into it um i don't know if you saw the the one there was a couple that came out and they just sang a song um you know, it's called, uh, called, uh, you never gong an Asian and uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, talking about how it's like, you know, cult- like cultural appropriation and, um, and stuff like that. Well, who gongs them? Well, Ken Jeong gongs them.
2: Yeah. Cause and, he can get away with it.
1: Yeah. It, it's, it's funny. But, he's, but that's like, the
2: thing. Cause yeah. technically you can gong an Asian, but once you gong black, you never gong back.
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> but I mean, it's,
2: Send it's your really hate mail to cool. elsnerds at gmail.com.
1: Or <laughs> <Yes. laughs> on Twitter at elsnerds. Um, I do want to point out... Um, actually, I will, I'm going to look it up. But we did get some feedback uh, from last week and um, from Botto Winter. And I want to thank you, Botto, for um, replying about our discussion about you know the whole you know how do you make you know recasts and all that stuff. I'm not going to get into it because that would be another five-hour show. Um, but with the whole Marvel movies and stuff like that, he replied quite a bit and i apologize for not catching that sooner but yeah so the gong show um do you remember how much they got as a prize back then because i know like th- today it was like on this the episode it was like two thousand dollars a couple hundred bucks cents. at
2: yeah. best i think yeah it, and this i felt like this was a playoff of it i think they maybe moved the decimal
1: yeah um but yeah so that is it for else views and we will be back with the else word
2: are ghosts or bigfoot real Whatever happened to all that stuff that went missing in the Bermuda Triangle? Did the U.S. government experiment with time travel? Is there a secret society really running the world? Hell if we know, but you're guaranteed to hear us try to figure it out on the Weird World Weekly podcast. If it's the paranormal, conspiratorial, mythological, unexplained, or anything else strange, we talk about it. Find us on your favorite podcast app, or by going to gncasts.com slash weird. That's g-n-c-a-s-t-s dot com slash weird.
1: We are back, and it is time for the Elsewhere. This is our main topic discussion uh, thing of the night, and this is the, um, without getting into spoilers, but this is basically how Wonder Woman has changed the DC Cinematic Universe or Expanded Cinematic Universe, whatever initials they're going by. Um, So this is, you know, basically because a couple of reports I said I had seen coming out of it was talking about like with just how different of a tone and Sean and Kevin can attest to this um, is uh, that it seems like it's going to change the future movies and all that. Um, so Sean get, or Sean and Kevin, you know, uh, give us your spoiler free review of the movie um, and like what you thought of it overall.
3: You want to go first? Go ahead. Okay.
0: Um, well, I'd just like to start off by saying, uh, it, it was hard to believe walking out of that movie that it came from this. I know it was different, slightly different crew but it was the same company and same universe that brought us Suicide Squad that was really hard for me to believe after watching this film because it was honestly one of the best superhero movies and one of the best movies all around I would say that I have seen in a very long time I mean the story was just enticing and you got so involved with these characters and and Just everything about There were some twists in there that you weren't really expecting. And the action scenes were phenomenal. I mean, just the choreography and some of the stunts they were doing were insane. Yeah. Um, It's the first... I was saying this to my dad earlier. It's the first time during a movie that I have had to actually remind myself to keep breathing. Because that last fight scene was just so like intense that I was just like I needed to remind myself to to stop holding my breath and breathe or I was going to pass out in the movie theater. Um I just I loved the film. I thought it was spectacularly done. And I I think it's actually so far I I have to say I've been very exclusive to Marvel um especially with the movies, but this actually makes me really excited for Justice League coming out. And kind of makes me feel like all of Marvel's question about whether or not people would actually watch a female-led movie, I think they're all down the drain, to be honest, because this just blew every other super movie out there out of the water, I think. Yeah. I mean, and for somebody who has set such a, a low bar so far with DC, I think all of a sudden Marvel with these movies coming out this year i think they're going to be a tough sell especially like we were talking thor comes out in november and we thought that was when justice league came out was right around the same time and i think coming and i think coming off the success of wonder woman i think unless spider-man homecoming does phenomenal things for marvel in july i think thor is going to be a hard sell (laughs) I'm hoping it will. I, we saw the trailer for that today, too, and I think that looks really good. But
2: Sorry, you're, think... talking,
1: you're talking to Spider-Man, like Spider-Man being my first superhero I got into, so it's like, oh, oh it's okay. going to do well. It's going to yeah. do...
2: <laughs> well. Well, so, no, let, let's, let's say, though, that the Spider-Man movie is getting a lot of really great response. Yeah. Uh, but we have had five other Spider-Man movies yeah. before yeah. this, and so the expectations of it are not the same as what the expectations were for a Wonder Woman movie, which is this is kind of a make-or-break thing in a lot of ways, not just for for female-led superhero movies, but kind of for the DC film universe so far. Oh, yeah. Is that every time they go to a new one, they, they say they're going to make changes, and they're going to learn from, from the response from the audience, and it hasn't shown yet up until now. And this is... Yeah. Some people are saying this is the new DC movie universe, uh, its first... Its first foray into that, but then we do back up and go back to what was at least originally uh, done by Zack Snyder in Justice League, mm-hmm. uh, and maybe he had already gotten feedback. Maybe there were already things that he was planning on changing and and reevaluating how he was going to do the films or not. And and now Joss Whedon is coming in to finish up the movie for him because he unfortunately had to step away from it,
1: mm-hmm.
2: but. I still assume that Joss is going to come in and be very true to whatever Zach's division was uh, for yeah. good or ill uh, from the fan perspective. So there's still, I think the, the thing that's going to be what we look forward to is one woman two, And how does that happen? And is Patty Jenkins going to make a lot more money because they only signed her up for one film. Uh, I expect she is, I hope yeah. she is, uh, is, is it going to be, are we going to get the same, wonderful type of story but in a modern day setting with diana that that'll be something to to see them do as well so i'm i'm excited for it i like i said earlier i haven't been able to see it yet and i'm disappointed that i haven't been able to see it but i so love the response to this and i love that it is across the board like people will will say that there are parts that maybe they didn't like as much but everybody seems to be incredibly impressed with this movie and i i I think that all along, the only thing that we've had is not bad response to superhero female-led superhero movies for no reason. I think that they were the right response for what were shitty movies, yeah. um, and and not simply because of the the gender of the main character.
1: So I want to I want to point out with the article with what it's saying um, is is this captured. Something that we, me and Corey, have talked about a lot, a lot of times with Suicide Squad, Batman vs Superman, Man of Steel, missing, and that is the heart of the characters, the essence of the characters. Um, and you could basically sum up what what one the Wonder Woman movie hit in five words: heart, humor, hope, heroics, and optimism. All of those were hit were nailed in this movie, with. A character that that can do that like it's it's like i said before like in past episodes you can do dark and gritty with a character who is dark and gritty batman is a dark and gritty character superman not so much superman has been dark and gritty at times but to base a whole movie off of you're sort of missing the step um so with one woman um like i talked about it on with uh with uh, peter fisher you know there were dark moments like there were like you know like the color but it was when you're in world war one and and you're in you're in on a battlefield you expect that you don't expect to see trees all over the place and you know butterflies flapping it's like you're in a fucking war zone so you're gonna get that um the other thing, like what I hope this means going forward, is that characters like you know some of the Green Lanterns, Flash, these lighter, these more lighthearted superheroes, that translates into here. Um, there is a part of me, and I, I honestly mean no ill will towards Zack Snyder, um, you know, especially with the things that had happened you know circumstances with him stepping back from justice league i feel like if they had held justice league off and then had done another movie there um had done like a flash movie or you know green lantern or something like that that we would have a better justice league movie because my fear is that we're going to get that dark and gritty um movie like we got with man of steel and people are going to people are going to get a f- not, not offend is not the right word, but people are going to get upset. People are going to get well. Oh, DC obviously can't do a good movie unless it's Wonder Woman, sort of deal, or Batman, or Batman because Batman, yeah, or Batman because you can do dark and gritty with Batman and it makes sense. Um, but on a, the, Sean, what do you what do you think? The, about the, the, yeah, go ahead. Well, no, I was just know, gonna, Sean.
3: <laughs> My sense coming out of it is that. It's, it's kind of two-pronged, and I'll say the more controversial part first, is that this movie was, <clears throat> to me, completely derivative of other movies. All the things that you point to that are great about Wonder Woman, I could probably point to another movie. The cinematography and the choreography of the fights looked so much like Kingsman. You know, right down to the, we're going to go fast forward, we're going to slow it down, we're going to do this, we're going to shoot, you know, shift the angle... The period piece comes right out of, um, you know, Captain America, the, you know, so you could start to point to all the things that everybody likes about this and say, well, it's derivative of X, but it was fantastic to see all of those things strung together in a way that was cohesive, told a great story and was a beautiful movie. Yeah, you know? I
0: think in some ways even improved on some of those things. Agreed, I mean, especially like the portrayal of. I know it was it was two different World Wars, but the mm-hmm. portrayal of war in Wonder Woman is, I think, a much more realistic mm-hmm. and a much more dramatic effect than what we saw in like Captain America yep. or something along those lines. So I think not only did they bring those together very beautifully, but they also enhanced them.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. I. I I agree with everything you've said, even in, in, you know, your praise of the movie earlier. I agree completely. It's the best movie I've seen all year. Um, Possibly the best movie I've seen maybe since the original Avengers um, in a movie theater. And it just, it was a great movie and I love everybody's response. And, you know, I'm just saying that I I think it's very interesting that this director was able to take uh, and the writing staff was able to take, You know, pieces from other things and make them very cohesive, whether they knew they were doing it or not, that was the end result for me. Um, I was reminded of a lot of different movies at different parts, but it never took me out of it. It never really diminished the whole. You know, they took all these other little parts and made this wonderful whole. Yeah, they made this wonderful movie. Um, And if this is what the rest of the DC universe is going to be I'm all in, you know, yeah. this was fantastic. I've had worries. Um, I'm a DC apologetic apologist. I have a Batman tattoo on my arm. I am, you know, I, if it's DC. I'm usually good, but the movies were just so like you're saying, dark and gritty and, you know, the brooding Superman. I don't need that. I need, you know, truth, justice in the American way, Superman. And, um, You know, so I I think moving it into a little bit more lighthearted, letting these characters be who they are on the pages, but on the screen, if they're going to continue that, and and this article seems to lend credence to the fact that they will, then I think the DC um, universe has a legitimate shot of being on par with Marvel. I mean, we can all admit that Marvel has kicked DC's ass left and right in the movie theater up until this point yeah this might be the turn i don't think that dc is going to overtake marvel but i think dc has just made themselves much more in the fight
0: yeah they've given now, themselves a really good shot
3: and at- mm-hmm, yeah and and i
2: i've been loving the marvel movies and i certainly i see some of them are are far better than others and mm-hmm. I was a big fan of, of Captain America, the first Avenger, and and certainly uh, Captain America, the Winter Soldier. I don't need one to be better than the other. I don't need right. one to win and the other one to lose. I am a DC Comics fan more than I'm a Marvel Comics fan. But it was never to me that, oh, well, I want the Marvel movies to suck and the DC ones to rule. Uh, because as soon as Iron Man came out, and I was not an Iron Man fan in the least. But I went and saw the movie because I felt like I kind of had to. And it was incredible and it blew my mind. And it was that perfect symmetry of the best actor to play the best version of this character in this role and an incredible movie to boot and to launch the whole Marvel Universe off of that. And I don't mind saying, you know, sometimes I see a Marvel movie and I'm like, okay, this feels a little repetitive. This feels a little bit less original. But then I see them do something like what Thor Ragnarok looks like, and I think, what a great direction to try to take this in. What an interesting thing to do. Uh, The Guardians of the Galaxy could have been you know, a dark, ominous team in space if they wanted to, but that's not the vision that they had for it, and what they did worked perfectly in the end. But you have to be true to the characters, and being true to Wonder Woman is important. Being true to Superman... Is important because these are characters that have been established for a long time and have existed for so many years because people love them people believe in them and yeah you can say oh we can do something that's kind of a throwback and silly is because because of the 70s TV series and that would have been an option but I don't know that it would have worked as well as what this is but at the end of the day I want great DC movies and I want great Marvel movies and when valiant stuff starts coming out I want great valiant movies no one ever says I want a movie, I want my movie experience to suck. You know, right. at most you might say, I'm so sick and fucking tired of the success of the Michael Bay Transformers movies overseas. I wish that people would just get a fucking clue so they would stop making them and maybe somebody <laughs> would make a good Transformers movie. But in the end, he's already stopping making them himself, and it is sure sure as hell his vision going forward. But that means that maybe somebody will make a good Transformers movie finally. Yeah. And so that's enough for me. And if for some fucking magical reason Michael Bay made a great movie and it happened to have Transformers in it, I would have to cop to that. Yeah. Because it's not that I hate Michael Bay. I just have not enjoyed any of his films that I can think of. Yeah. But the, the guy could suddenly turn it around. And Zack Snyder maybe turned it around with Justice League. And I'll have to say that. I'll have to say all the shit I said about your, your – Batman v Superman and your Man of Steel, I still stand by because I think that they had huge problems. But god damn it, you sure sh- showed me that you could make a great film with Justice League. And I'm very happy that you did. I hope that's the case. I pray that that's the case. And I pray that it's the case yeah. of Zack Snyder doing it and not Joss Whedon fixing it. Uh, yeah. Because I'd like to see credit due where it is.
1: Yeah. I, I, I like in the Variety article that we have um, in our notes on this. Um, they asked both um, John Berg and Jeff Johns um, about you know why or why did audiences embrace Wonder Woman, and Berg goes, "It's a fun movie. It's positive and optimistic." The early the early films may have been too dark in parts, and Jeff Johns goes, "Most of the DC universe is known for being." is known as being a hopeful and optimistic place. I feel like this might piss off Corey in a second. Um, it's known for, <laughs> char- for characters that are inspirational and aspirational. Anyone who knows and loves the DC universe knows that that a lot of that has to do with its hope and optimism. I feel like that's what we hit at a lot with here. Like, with a lot of these characters, especially, you know, with... Like, I come at this with from Marvel Comics side, but it's not like, oh, Marvel is better. It is more of... Let's make good shit. Like, 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 let's not just, you know, throw pasta on the wall and see what sticks. Let's actually do, let's make the best Wonder Woman movie. Let's make the best Justice League, you know, insert whatever it is here, movie that we possibly can and all that. But it's that statement there that Jeff Johns makes that makes me go, wait, you were involved with the flash on cw arrow on cw supergirl legends of tomorrow i believe you were involved in these other movies you've had some say as to wait i think we're making it too dark and we're losing the. no hope.
2: He, he might not have had as much of a say as as you are giving him credit for uh just like the guy who who's been doing those cw shows worked on the green lantern movie uh there there's different levels it, it, it's it's we're talking, uh, we're in a week where just a few days ago, the two guys who have had some incredibly successful films were suddenly taken off at 60% done of a movie uh, because they suddenly said, oh, um, yeah, what you guys are doing doesn't really work for us. You know, Lord and, and I can't remember the guy's name now Miller, uh, Miller were taken off Han Solo when the film was half done. I think that there are production companies and 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 maybe even higher ups than directors that can say, "No, we're doing it this way," and, or we have deals in place, and the person who's in charge of this isn't you. I, I get it, and and I I don't ever want to say that there can't or shouldn't be dark superhero movies because there can and there should be, and some of them are hugely successful. The Dark Knight is a great example of doing Batman to the I think the best. That Batman has ever been done other than the animated series because fucking A, that animated series was the bomb. <laughs> yeah, definitely. But, but certainly, the best of the Batman films, in my opinion, is The Dark Knight with Heath Ledger, and everything about that movie is just so terrific. And it set a standard. And unfortunately, that standard was then tried to be placed on characters that weren't Batman. And that's where the thing falters is you have to have someone who fundamentally understands what makes this character great. It's it's the David Goyer thing that we talked about before, where David Goyer says, well, you can't do Martian Manhunter and call him Martian Manhunter because that's stupid. Well, then you're probably the wrong guy to write Martian Manhunter. Mm. (laughs) And you're probably the wrong guy to write She-Hulk if you think she's there to sex up the Hulk. They're related, you stupid motherfucker. You, you get the people who get the crux of what these things are. The guy who made Captain America, the first Avenger, it may not have been a realistic film and it certainly wasn't a realistic depiction of war, but he knew what he was doing to make a very good representation of Captain America. And yeah. to introduce that character and the morals of that character and everything else that they did that set the stage for what they did with Captain America in winter soldier, because Captain America himself is still that guy from that first movie. 100% purely the the heart and the soul of this guy has existed through all the films he's been in, and that's why he's been my favorite character in these films. Because everything they established in that first one, you take out the the setting, you take out the the seemingly schlock value of, of the, you know, it's a little bit retro, it feels a little bit unrealistic, but then you put him in the realistic bits, and he's still capped. Yeah, it's just so done right. And that's what we've needed is someone to have the heart and soul of these characters and to understand that. Yes, when you're speaking of Superman and you're speaking of Diana, you are speaking of hope. But when you're speaking of Batman and the Joker, you're you're speaking of something darker and something more sinister. And when you're speaking of Hawkman, you're going to have war be a, a primary thing because Hawkman is a warrior in a way that is more than what some of these other characters are if you're speaking of green lantern then you've got to go with something that's huge and imaginative and not a giant shit cloud coming out of nowhere that is in indefinable on the screen so you've <laughs> got to figure these things out and i i don't know if john's just misspoke or if he was just trying to give a very simple answer but i know he was also trying to give an answer that the fans have been asking for which is why have these things been so dark don't you understand who these superheroes are
1: yeah yeah, and I'm I think I might be, you know, giving him too much like too much credit or, you know, harping on him too much. But I mean, that's partially it is, you know, like this is a guy who's been working in comics for a very long time. Um, you know, is one of the higher ups on the DC comics side of things.
2: He's also the one who spearheaded DC Rebirth after yeah. Lee and DeDio spearheaded New Fifty Two. And yeah, you can and- see that the similarities between rebirth and what this film has done. Yeah. yeah. If that's Johns's if, if if that's John's thumbprint on that, then that's some good DNA to have.
1: Yeah. Any final thoughts on this? Just that for
0: anybody who hasn't seen the movie, you should go out and see it. Yeah. God <laughs> damn it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Corey, <laughs> that means you. <laughs>
0: uh support our Patreon so that
2: Corey can go see a goddamn movie <laughs> once in a while. <laughs>
1: yeah yeah you could <laughs> it's a great segue Corey. i'm gonna take it um, uh, you know,
2: our, our patreon does not pay me at no, all no, let alone does. to go see a movie but
1: no it is it is strictly for um you know again again you know thanks to growly bear for being um our uh, our newest partner in the growing galactic net network empire um i almost said galactic empire but i'm like wait nope nope that makes dave emperor palpatine uh, <laughs> dangerous place to go there um, because <laughs> I think that then makes Brad Vader. I don't That's know. All I know though. is I'm I'm one of the guys who just mops who just sweeps the floor on the Death Star. In oh, Moush, <laughs> <just, yeah. laughs>
3: we could be both of those.
1: Yeah, <laughs> People, <we laughs> the two that like on into each other. And apparently Corey is a cross between a little droid and the cantina band.
0: <laughs> Corey should be the whole cantina band. That's true. And a dancer, because I got yeah. the sexy.
1: <laughs> but if you want to be like Growly Bear, you could go over to Galactic gncast.com slash support. And over there, you will find our Patreon page where you can be a partner or um, the Amazon affiliate link is over there as well, where you do your shopping on Amazon. You go through that, we get a little bit of money. We're taking money from Jeff Bezos. What could be better than that? Um, if you want to leave us voicemail or you know any feedback, you can leave us voicemail by calling 805-328-3966 or emailing mail at elsenerds.com. I read all of it. I read every single one. I even read the junk mail folder because... It's that boring. And you and can find all offers- you
2: do to, to support the show and be like Rally Bear is show up. You know, yeah. we record, we record. It, it's kind of sporadic right now. The schedule's a little wonky, but we do record. We announce the recordings on our Facebook page. If you look up else nerds, mm-hmm. uh or if you follow the Galactic Networks page, and and just come be a part of the group. Uh, join the conversations with us. We love having people in our chat, and uh, we also oh, love man. feedback on iTunes
1: and Google Play Sticker, and
2: wherever Play. You, you get your podcast from.
1: Yeah, um, yeah. The Facebook page you can find it over at facebook dot com slash galactic netcasts. Um, Twitter at galactic netcast or the show is at elsnerds if you want to talk to the elsners in particular. Or you could follow the producers, beatmasters at beatmaster at uh, beatmaster eighty. Evan is at mr underscore fusion. I'm at that Gregor. Corey, where can people find you?
2: Uh, you can find the comics I publish at donascomics.com.
1: And Sean, you are at S Burns PA, correct?
3: That is correct.
1: And, and uh, Kevin, where can people find you?
3: Um,
0: that's an excellent question. I have a Twitter, <laughs> but I can't remember what it is because I never use it helpful you can't find kevin he doesn't really exist
2: kevin is out with his girlfriend getting played we ain't got none of that so i <laughs> fine <him. laughs>
3: kevin's just a very uh,
0: elaborate puppet i bring with me once in a while yes yeah. <laughs> the for- act is getting better i will say
1: yeah for the for the audio listeners there has been no kevin it's just been <laughs> Sean doing another voice.
2: uh, Don't make the (laughs) hand signal because it goes right back to the butt plug conversation we had in the beginning. (laughs) (laughs) And now it's going (laughs) to (laughs) be
1: And the final thing to be said before we get fired from this network is this has been a Don't Tell Glenn production. We will see you next week.
2: Or fisting. For more on this Galactic Network podcast, go to GNcast.com. That's GNcasts.com. That's G-N-C-A-S-T-S